The Passion of Our Lord Jesus Christ According to St. John The Betrayal and Arrest of Jesus When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples over the brook Kidron, where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. And Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. Now when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Then he asked them again, saying, Whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way, that the saying might be fulfilled which he spoke, Of those whom you gave me, I have lost none. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the ear of the high priest's servant and cut it off. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? Jesus, in your dying woes, even while your lifeblood flows, craving pardon for your foes, hear us, holy Jesus. Savior, for our pardon sue, when our sins your pangs renew, for we know not what we do. Hear us, holy Jesus. O may we who mercy need be like you in heart and deed, when with wrong our spirits bleed, hear us, holy Jesus. Jesus before the high priest. Then the detachment of troops and the captain of the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him, and they led him away to Annas first, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. Now it was Caiaphas who advised the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. 
And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Now that disciple was known to the high priest and went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door outside. Then the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to her who kept the door and brought Peter in. Then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, You are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the servants and officers who had made a fire of coals stood there, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves. And Peter stood with them and warmed himself. The high priest then asked Jesus about his disciples and his doctrine. Jesus answered him, I spoke openly to the world. I always taught in synagogues and in the temple where the Jews always meet, and in secret I have said nothing. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. Indeed, they know what I said. And when he had said these things, one of the officers who stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, Do you answer the high priest like that? Jesus answered him, If I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why do you strike me? Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. Therefore they said to him, You are not also one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of him whose ear Peter cut off, said, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter then denied again, and immediately a rooster crowed. Jesus, pitying the sighs of the thief who near you dies, promising him paradise, hear us, holy Jesus. May we in our guilt and shame Still your love and mercy claim, calling humbly on your name. Hear us, holy Jesus. May our hearts to you incline, and their thoughts your cross entwine. Cheer our souls with hope divine. Hear us, holy Jesus. Jesus before Pilate. Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas to the praetorium, and it was early morning. But they themselves did not go into the praetorium, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Pilate then went out to them and said, 
What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered and said to him, If he were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him up to you. Then Pilate said to them, You take him and judge him according to your law. Therefore the Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death, that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled which he spoke, signifying by what death he would die. Then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you this concerning me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him at all. But you have a custom that I should release someone to you at the Passover. Do you therefore want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Then they all cried again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Jesus, loving to the end, her whose heart your sorrows rend, and your dearest human friend, hear us, holy Jesus. May we in your sorrows share for your sake all peril dare, and enjoy your tender care. Hear us, holy Jesus. May we all your loved ones be, all one holy family, Loving since you love we see, hear us, holy Jesus. Jesus is prepared for crucifixion. So then Pilate took Jesus and scourged him, and the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head and they put on him a purple robe. Then they said, Hail, King of the Jews! And they struck him with their hands. 
Pilate then went out again and said to them, Behold, I am bringing him out to you, that you may know that I find no fault in him. Then Jesus came out, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said to them, Behold the man. Therefore, when the chief priests and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, You take him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to our law he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. Therefore, when Pilate heard that saying, he was the more afraid, and went again into the praetorium, and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then Pilate said to him, Are you not speaking to me? Do you, know, do you not know that I have power to crucify you and power to release you? Jesus answered, You could have no power at all against me unless it had been given you from above. Therefore the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. From then on Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, saying, If you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend. Whoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement, but in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now it was the preparation day of the Passover and about the sixth hour. And he said to the Jews, Behold your king. But they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. Then he delivered him to them to be crucified. Jesus, whelmed in fears unknown, with our evil left alone, while no light from heaven is shown, Hear us, holy Jesus. When we seem in vain to pray, and our hope seems far away, in the darkness be our stay. Hear us, holy Jesus. Though no father seem to hear, though no light our spirits cheer, may we know that God is near. Hear us, holy Jesus. The Crucifixion Then they took Jesus and led him away. And he, bearing his cross, 
went to a place called the place of a skull, which is called in Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and two others with him, one on either side and Jesus in the center. Now Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross, and the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. But many of the Jews read this title, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. Therefore the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write, The King of the Jews, but he said, I am the King of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts, to each soldier a part, and also the tunic. Now the tunic was without seam, woven from the top in one piece. They said therefore among themselves, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be, that the scriptures might be fulfilled, which says, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Therefore the soldiers did these things. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother, his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop, and put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Therefore, because it was the preparation day, that the bodies should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and they might be taken away. Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. And he who has seen has testified, and his testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth, so that you may believe. For these things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled. Not one of his bones shall be broken. And again another scripture says, They shall look on him whom they pierced. After this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took the body of Jesus. And Nicodemus, 
who at first came to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds. Then they took the body of Jesus and bound it in strips of linen with the spices, as the custom of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So there they laid Jesus because of the Jews' preparation day, for the tomb was nearby. Jesus, in your thirst and pain, while your wounds your lifeblood drain, thirsting more our love to gain, hear us, holy Jesus. Thirst for us in mercy still, all your holy work fulfill, satisfy your loving will, hear us, holy Jesus. May we thirst your love to know, lead us in our sin and woe, where the healing waters flow, hear us, holy Jesus. Jesus, all our ransom paid, all your Father's will obeyed, by your sufferings perfect made, Hear us, holy Jesus. Save us in our soul's distress, be our help to cheer and bless, while we grow in holiness. Hear us, holy Jesus. Brighten all our heavenward way with an ever-holier ray till we pass to perfect day. Hear us, holy Jesus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. What does the devil look like? Does he appear frightful? Red in hue, pitchfork in hands, horns upon his head and a satyr's body? Does he appear as a whisper in your ear, urging you towards sin, do it, do it, do it. Is he a friend, offering access to the forbidden, offering special knowledge, offering unusual power? Is he the toll booth operator, demanding satisfaction, 
seeking to square up before allowing your pilgrimage to continue. In some form or another, the devil looks like all of these things. He is frightful in his power. He is a master of whispers and a crafter of deceits. He does take the guise of friend, though it is only surface deep. His motives are never friendly. He does set up his booth, demanding tribute, demanding tolls, demanding taxes, attempting to inhibit the pilgrim's progress. But here is the truth. The devil looks like you. The devil sits and sups with Jesus. The devil stands beside him as friend. The devil follows him as disciple. But his ways are not the way. His ways are the ways of darkness. His ways kick against the Christ. His ways betray with a kiss him who was friend, teacher, master, Lord. His ways betray with tongue before the crow of a rooster hearkens upon the dawn. His ways are your ways, for you are his subjects, ruled and governed by an iron fist and a gauntlet of malice and death. This is what the devil looks like. Jesus said to them, I am he. Now when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Jesus does not say to them, Here I am. He does not say, I am Jesus of Nazareth. He does not say, That's me. He says, Ego a me. I am. They seek Jesus of Nazareth, and Jesus of Nazareth is. I am. The devil looks like you. The devil looks like man. The devil shrinks before the name of God. The devil looks like you. He scourges the back of Christ by your hand. He beats Christ with your fists. He spits upon Christ with your saliva. He blasphemes Christ with your tongue. He drives nails into the holy flesh of God with your arms and with your steel. He mocks Christ with your derision. He crucifies Christ with your blessing. Away with him, away with him. Crucify him. This is the devil's hour, the hour of darkness, the hour of betrayal, the hour of death, the hour given to the prince of darkness. The devil owns you. 
The devil owns this hour. The devil, though he shrinks back for a time, regains his composure and owns the Christ. You look like the devil because you submit to the devil. You look like the devil because you betray your Lord daily for even fewer than 30 pieces of silver, often even for free. You cannot stand before his name without shrinking back in terror. But this line of Judah in the garden, muzzled, shorn, and bound, is not so terrifying. However, the devil takes for granted the fact that the Christ is only muzzled, shorn, and bound by his own will. Should he have desired, legions upon legions of angels would descend with the trumpet of war. Should he have desired, he could have come down from the cross. Should he have desired, his people would have fought that he might not be delivered to the Jews. But he does not desire that. He desires death. Jesus says, Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Those who seek to kill the soul fear the name of God and recoil at its vocalization. Jesus is to them the great enemy, the spoiler of the spoilers, the predator of the scavengers. Jesus fears not the cross. He fears the power of the devil that gnaws at the soul, and he fears divine judgment that will kill the soul, not his, but yours. He fears not death, but damnation, not for himself, but for you. God comes face to face with the devil, who looks just like his own people, though within their hearts and eyes is kindled a fire of blind, demonic hatred. You look like the devil, but you are not the devil, only held hostage by him, the spiritual Stockholm Syndrome having warped your perception. So God comes to die, to shatter the iron fist, to end the dictatorship of death, to extinguish the fire of hate by the passion of love, and to change what you look like to be his image and likeness and not the devil's. This is not the eve of mourning for yourselves or for Christ. It is the eve of death, the death of God, and in the death of God, the death of death's power and the destruction of the devil and the destruction of his image. As the shepherd counsels Hermas, so he counsels you this night. Do not fear the devil, for if you fear the Lord, you will rule over the devil, because he has no power. And where there is no power, 
there is no fear. After today, what the devil looks like is pale and anemic, his skull caved in and his stomach distended. For it may now be the devil's hour, but this is God's Friday. Amen. Jesus, all your labor vast, all your woe and conflict past, yielding up your soul at last, hear us, holy Jesus. When the death shades round us lower, Guard us from the tempter's power, keep us in that trial hour, hear us, holy Jesus. May your life and death supply grace to live and grace to die, Grace to reach the home on high, hear us, holy Jesus. 